welcome to Liberty Librarian. This is your host, Heather Biederman. We're having some technical difficulties tonight, so I'm just going to record the show and post it at a, a later time tonight. And I really apologize. I love doing it live, and I just couldn't get into Blog Talk Radio at all. It's just a really weird thing. And today, it's a beautiful Monday. It's very hot in Minnesota. It's like almost 90 outside. Very humid. And you'll have to pardon my brain being a little bit slower today. I drove up to St. Cloud um, and back from St. Cloud so I could be here in time to do the show, which didn't quite work out the way I hoped. But um, I am here, and we had a... Open Educational Resource uh, for Librarians Workday. And it was really a great time. Uh, One of the things my liberty-minded self is really excited about is having free resources for people who want to learn. And it's very exciting to see it all coming together. The state of Minnesota has uh, pitched in to make the space available so people can use it. But um, it's slowly starting to take off. And the hope is that um, students, you know, are just drowning in debt from education. And to find ways to turn that around. And open educational resources is a great way to do it. So I have been trying to find ways of providing that service at my own library job. So... I'm going to talk a little bit later about that and some resources that I think might be kind of cool for you guys to use as, you know, not all of you are librarians. Some of you are just listening for fun. So we have a lot of great stuff to talk about today. Um, One of the exciting things, too, is I have a really bizarro news thing that I'm going to talk a lot about today, but um, I'm going to save that. I also wanted to talk just a little bit about, um, on my way there and back, I listened on my, um, my phone. I have, um, these, uh, what do you call it? Udemy classes. U-D-E-M-Y, however you say, Udemy, 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 Udeman. I don't know. Um, I, I've paid for a couple classes on it just to try it out. I think it's really an interesting idea for people who want to learn about something and uh, have resources that are pretty good, but um, not spend uh, a fortune on you know, college-type classes. So I've been trying out a couple, and one I was looking at was about podcasting, and I thought it was really interesting um, just to listen. And, you know, sometimes a video is actually really important in it, but I felt like I could get the gist of what he was talking about from listening And then later I'm going to go back and look at some of the visuals that he had. Because I could tell that things were happening in the background. But it's not like I'm going to stop and like look at my phone to see like what he's actually doing. You know? But I like the idea of uh, educational podcasts as well. And that's kind of what I was trying to do here with the Liberty Librarian. Was to have nuggets of facts and useful stuff. But... You know, like, you get what you want from it. And, like, some weird stuff and controversial things. And talk about intellectual freedom and all the ways that you can help fight for your freedoms. And how uh, they're trying to put it under the rug that there are things happening. So, you know, I think about that, about why I'm here. And I think that was a good thing in that um, online class was... You know, maybe there are ways of um, thinking about, you know, what what is your message? What do you want to get out there? So lately I've gone more to my monologue style. And I, I do really enjoy doing the interviews. But I don't always feel like I want to do that every week. So I guess that's the problem is like trying to figure out what the right format is for Liberty Librarian and... And if it works for you guys. So if you want more interviews, let me know. Um, I'm going to put myself out there and see um, about getting myself on other podcasts so I can get practice and seeing the other side. But, you know, having a radio show 
it's a lot of work just getting a guest lined up because people are busy and their lives kind of get in the way of, of being available for a live show. And then when you pre-record it, it doesn't have that exciting feel like, you know, what I get from just being live on the air like I am. So, I don't know. I mean, it's something I've been thinking about is where I want to go with it. I've I've thought about doing um, video um, streaming video and seeing how that works. I mean, I, I feel pretty comfortable doing a live show. So a live streaming show probably would be not that much more. The, the big thing, and this is just like vanity, is that, you know, you think, how do I look on the air? Do I have a, a face for a radio? Maybe. Or what about my house or where where I film you know is what if it's a little messy you know how do you make it look cool and professional there's a lot of stuff to learn so if you guys have recommendations let me know I mean I I'm always learning and I hope you you all are too because it's just there's so much out in the world that is exciting and new and we, we can learn together so on that note, I can't put ads in here because I'm not on uh, the live stream. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause for a second and bring up my first intellectual freedom news. And it's a doozy. I got to tell you, I, I, I agonized about talking about it, but I'm like, you know, I'm gonna. So hold on just a second and I'm going to go pull that up and then we are going to talk about the P-tape, if you know what I mean. So, be right back. Okay, so, I mentioned the P-tape. And this, I got this article from Slate.com and Convincing Fake Trump uh, P-tape. The P-tape is real, but it's fake. So, here's here's what we're going to talk about is um, the process people go through when they get a video. Um, in this day and age, there are so many uh, apps and great software for making things that are recorded look fake, look like another person is doing something that they, you know, it's questionable. It's always questionable. And no matter what, even if this tape is real, and tape is probably digital file, really, um, they can always say it might not be and there's always that benefit of the doubt where you feel like something that you see on the internet is this real is it not real it's like uh oh bill Hader, who is awesome um had an interview where he was talking about tom cruise and some other people and they um do this deep fake and they morphed his face into tom cruise and it was just unsettling completely unsettling but neat at the same time so you can just see how easy it is and and I've talked about on the show where there are apps um, I think it was in China uh, that they um, they can like take from like a picture of yourself um, they can transpose you onto a um, like an actor in a movie and so it looks like you're in the movie so it's pretty amazing. With the Trump thing that I was telling you guys about, um, it's the video, and I was looking at it, and it's oh, it's definitely not uh, PG. It's um, it's like an R-rated, maybe X-rated video, um, grainy, and the subject matter is President Donald Trump. Looks like he is offering instructions to two near-nude women on the bed, one of whom is bottomless, standing over the other, who appears to be lying on her side. You can imagine what happens next. Um, and by the way, this was in Slate by Ashley Feinberg on September 25th. And uh, Ms. Feinberg goes through the tape and tries to figure out, you know, to prove that it's fake, first of all. Because, like, all of us kind of think, like, it could happen. But, you know, more likely it's people trying to make him look bad. Now, I'm looking at this right now. And 
it's very grainy and dark it looks like a hotel room and um, the author became aware of it January 25th when a New Republic writer Libby Watson texted her a screenshot of the oops um, of a DM she'd received on Twitter about it and they they call it the P tape in this text and it's like a porno it's very dirty so the streamable link which is now doesn't exist anymore um, it would be they she thought it should be an obvious fake because there's people that always um, are trying to like frame people celebrities whatnot but before she says before we go any further bear this in mind so no one gets confused the P tape is fake this P tape anyway whether this P tape is the P tape perhaps you've heard of the piss tape or the PP tape or the golden shower video is one of the things they're still unclear about it because it sounds like there's actually multiple copies um, and some some of them are doctored and some of them it's questionable if they're not now my wondering is would someone who's close to Trump um, obviously doctor a video so um, even though they know there's a real one that exists maybe to cover up any um, implicit gross actions of the of the president maybe maybe not maybe it's actually a fake but um, the, the problem is in this article she talks about she goes through all of this and it's extremely lifelike extremely grainy video um, he's in the presidential suite of the Ritz Carlton in Moscow there and so you can watch it I'm, and I'm not going to post the link on mine but I'm going to post a link to this article so you can if you're an adult go figure it out for yourself so this how also is a very very powerful reason to keep believing as a fake that most the most extraordinarily damaging piece of evidence against a president could be just waiting there in plain sight with no one doing anything about it if there are any lessons we have learned by this point in 2019 that there there's nothing that could ever be that easy and there are few enough things that are real so a lot of uh, reporters and people in the media believe it's fake and it's it's very grainy and here's what they know um, what we understand the public first became aware of the item or the concept as the P tape on January 10th 2017 um, when BuzzFeed first published the steel dossier a collection of then unverified unverified intelligence memos alleging various connections between Trump and Russia which are still going on today people are still talking about it and some of the claims have now since proven true thanks to the Mueller report others have not so the most um, dirty of the allegations is that Trump had a urine soaked run in with the Russian sex workers while staying in the presidential suite at the Ritz Carlton in Moscow and this falls in the unproven category and um, there's a a highlighted dossier claim in full it says I'll read it however there were other aspects to Trump's engagement with the Russian authorities one which had borne fruit for them was to exploit Trump's personal obsessions and sexual perversion in order to obtain suitable uh, compromat which is compromising material on him according to source D where she had been present Trump's perverted conduct in Moscow included hiring the presidential suite of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel where he knew President and Mrs. Obama whom he hated had stayed on one of their official trips to Russia and defiling the bed where they had slept by employing a number of prostitutes to perform a golden showers urination show in front of him. The hotel was known to be under FSB control with microphones and concealed cameras in all the main rooms to record anything they wanted to. And this is where the idea comes from. It's an unverified claim that Trump had ordered sex workers to urinate on a bed that was once slept on by former President Barack Obama. Um, so it's been a subject of considerable fascination since it was published. More specifically, it had been the subject of 
the author's fascination. So people solemnly yet frantically held forth on national security and possible influence of foreign powers. Somewhere over the horizon lurked an unseen image of our president supposedly conducting a symphony of urine. It was objectively hilarious that this gross and sleazy vignette might be the focus of national news, if not the fulcrum of history. She wanted to believe. She wanted to see it. But, and she certainly was not alone. In a brief uh, bit of intel inspired by Stephen Colbert to go as far as to visit the same Moscow hotel room for an investigation in July 2017, in the process of examining the room, Colbert at one point broke an ashtray only for the room's phone to immediately ring. The front desk claimed that an alarm had been triggered. So, it does seem kind of obvious that they were monitoring the room if he broke the ashtray and they called and said, is everything all right? Creepy. Perhaps more curiously, in a bit that didn't make it to the air, but was later reported by the Daily Beast, Colbert and his team discovered wiring behind a mirror that didn't actually seem to require any electricity whatsoever. So some sort of surveillance setup certainly doesn't seem out of the question. And according to a footnote on page 239 of the Mueller report, however, while investigators conclude that the tapes of something may exist, they also concluded that those tapes were likely fake. So, they said on October 30th, 2016, Michael Cohen received a text from the Russian businessman Georgi Vratsky that said, stopped flow of tapes from Russia, but not sure if anything else. So, just so you know. They said that tapes referred to compromising tapes of Trump rumored to be held by persons associated with the Russian real estate conglomerate of Crocus Group, which has helped host the 2013 Miss Universe pageant in Russia. Cohen said he spoke to Trump about the issue after receiving the text, and uh, Ratchke said that um, he was told the tapes were fake, but did not communicate that to Cohen. Still, some of us preferred not to let these claims ruin the dream. Stories kept accumulating about the supposed incident. For a year and a half before Mueller's report's release, multiple sources said to the, that the offer to send women to Trump's room came from a Russian who is accompanying um, a pop star, Russian pop star, whose father is a billionaire oligarch close to Russian President um, Putin. And um, so this uh, rock star, pop star, Iman Agalarov, um, said, or their vice president and president of the Crocus Group, respectively. Um, Eamon told CNN through a lawyer that he has no knowledge of that ever happening. So, this report claimed that President Donald Trump's longtime confidant, Keith Schiller, privately testified that he rejected a Russian offer to send five women to then-private citizen Trump's hotel room during the 2013 trip to Moscow for the Miss Universe pageant. Um, and this is according to multiple sources from both political parties with direct knowledge of the testimony. It's, it's, it just seems like there's so many levels to this that it's, <laughs> you, you, know, you wonder if like it's going to take the piss out of everything. So, haha. Um, Schiller said that he took the offer as a joke and immediately told the man making the proposition, we don't do that type of stuff. Schiller's claim not to do that type of stuff should be considered in the light of the fact that in 2011, adult film star and director Stor Stormy Daniels had told In Touch Weekly that whenever she needed to contact Trump during the course of the 2016 affair, she'd go through Schiller. Keith was always with him. That's how I got in touch with him. I never had Donald's cell phone number. I always used Keith's. So, it kind of seems like they're full of it, but you, you don't know... And, and they keep saying it's fake. They keep saying it's fake. But there's a lot of questions. Um, the central premise of the P-tape story was that on November 9th, 2013, while in Moscow for the Miss Universe pageant, Trump watched prostitutes performing sex acts involving urination on the bed of the presidential suite. And he was secretly filmed as it happened. So the story contains its own ultimate standard of verification. If it happened then, by definition, there would be recording of it. There may be rumors about it and follow-up rumors based on the original rumors, but despite the authors constantly asking for it, there's nothing resembling a video itself, at least until this last January. 
So when she got it, the author talked about, she clicked on the link and was expecting to see some sort of overlit, terribly active parody porno, maybe with a guy in off-kilter Trump wig talking to women with fake Russian accents. So she was disappointed because instead she got the bleary, claustrophobic shadows, the clip is punctuated with jerky, spamordic zooms, making it hard to get a sense of what you are actually viewing. And what you're watching is not a video of the thing itself, but what appears to be a handheld recording of a screen that is playing the video of the thing itself. There's no sound or indication of what or who else might be in the room with the screen that you're seeing secondhand. So somebody took like a handheld camera and recorded a screen showing it. So that's that's what it is. And the fact that it's so blurry, the figure in the chair is jacketless and shirt sleeves, is obviously Trump, they think. But the facial features are indistinct. And it introduces doubt in both directions. It could be anyone. An actor who looks like Trump, someone wearing a Mission Impossible Trump mask, a deep fake of Trump's head patched in from somewhere elsewhere, but or some sort of trick that wouldn't survive well-lit, high-definition scrutiny. On the other hand, no matter how much you examine him, you can't say it isn't Trump. So people want it to be. They desperately want it to be. But there's no really good proof in this. So all of this considered, she immediately, the author, wanted to disprove that this video is real. So she looked up photos of the presidential suite at the Moscow Ritz-Carlton and latched onto the carpet. The one in the video was much darker than the one in the pictures. No reason to look any further. Um, and the man in the chair looked to her eye as if he was wearing a white tie and vest. Trump was photographed on the night of 2013 Moscow Miss Universe pageant, and he was not wearing a white tie tuxedo. Instead, Trump wore what he wears every night and nearly always, a suit with a blood-colored tie over a white dress shirt with French cuffs. And here's how uh, Trump's outfit looked shortly before the activities on the dossier occurred. And they show a picture of him at the Miss Universe pageant. So they don't think it could possibly be him, right? Who else had seen this video? Who had shared it in the first place? So as far as she'd been able to tell, the video had first appeared online um, January 15th in a 4chan post. So one of the users remarked on how that the Trump P-tape vid from that morning vanished from the internet. Which makes sense. He's the president. He could get things taken care of, right? So, it says here, um, the, t the tiny, tiny print from Anonymous. The P Trump, the Trump P tape from video from this morning just vanished from the internet. I can't find any reference to it. The live leak thread was taken down. Maybe it was real. Some should just make a deep fake and pass it to their rep. They will run with it. When it's found out to be fake, heads overall. So people were joking already back then that like, hey, it's gone. Well, maybe we should make a fake one. So while it may still have been posted earlier, the first 4chan appearance I could find happened that day at noon when a po uh, user posted a screenshot and a link to the since-deleted live leak page. A half hour later, at 12.33, another user uploaded a 25-second version of the video, live leak watermark included, under the name TPWEBM. So the responses to the second post were evenly, fairly evenly split into this video's veracity, but both instances did not did seem to be the first time anyone there had seen it. So one minute before the video's 4chan debut, although... A, a Twitter user with the handle at Fortune Anon, so like an anonymous, and the display name Sudinim, very clever, posted a non-watermarked version of the video, um, at adding Trump in the process. So they said, "Is this real?" I'm not going to click on it because you know it's kind of dirty. This is the earliest upload I've been able to find. So in nine months, a particular unwatermarked version has been viewed a total of 15 times. So various versions of the video were uploaded to sites like LiveLeak and Imager, where they are garnered anywhere from a few dozen to several thousand views before being removed, usually for violating the website's guidelines. Unsurprisingly, versions of it st can still be found on a number of porn sites. 
which are still sort of the bastions of freedom because freedom, they can like have some you know questionable content but also content that um, governments don't want people to see so very interesting at the time of publication a few uploads remain live for whatever reason like a YouTube version posted by Anana Anonym under the name Trump Moscow tape and so there's an imager version seen 10,000 times something shared on something awful forums so in one titled the piss tape is real so is is there actually pee in the tape it's a good question the video is obviously only one piece of some former recording but is there an essential piece like nobody was hoping to see trump sits around in a hotel room with women tape after all this is supposed to be the pee tape so here's what happens she describes it for those who don't want to watch it the man clutches something in his left hand and points with the other then after about 10 seconds the clip jumps forward in time with the woman who had previously been lying down suddenly propped up on her elbows and her face is pixel blurred as the man in the chair looks on and grins. And you know what I'm looking at him. It, it looks vaguely like him. I could see it. Ugh. Brody. So the camera um, zooms in towards parts of the screen with Trump figure in it and then pulls back and swings to show more of the woman. At one point, there's a sense of motion, a brief flash of something like light bouncing off a falling liquid between your knees. Yuck. So yeah, it's like a screen grab. If not urine itself, it's the very least meant to appear like urine. <sighs> it's just nasty. Now I should make this like episode rated R. Seriously, if you guys want to see this, it's grody. So, she, um, prior to that, the site had been redirected to a Trump-focused something awful thread. So, according to the person behind the site, they'd already owned the domain. It seemed funny enough to justify the $2 to register it, they explained, or at least it made sense. That they merely wanted to preserve the files once they appeared. Um, it's DMCA bait. If I get a takedown notice, at least then we'll get some sort of answer as to who made it. I half expect to get one from Sasha, Baron Cohen, or some other edgelord. But so far, they've yet to been contacted by anyone claiming ownership of the video. That doesn't mean there's not interest, though. There's site access logs. And they talk about Aerospace Corporation, Swedish Tax Administration, Academy of Sciences of the Czech Republic, UK Ministry of Agriculture, Fisheries and Food, and the U.S. Antarctic Program, Lockheed Martin, and Halliburton. Why? Various journalists have also come onto the video. Some come onto the come across the video. Ha ha ha! Someone at the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation was another of the site's repeat visitors with some even going so far as to sort of semi-allude to having seen it in public. So, yes, they, they mentioned that seeing it. Back to the point. Could it be the real tape? Every few months after the, the author had dismissed it in their mind as an obvious fraud, someone knew it would bring the tape up again. Usually they'd just seen it and they wanted to see what they, I thought and... She would retread her initial suspicions and explain that while it must be a fake, it's certainly a very good fake. And each time she'd walked away a little less convinced. Oh yeah, there's a screenshot where it looks just like him, the way he holds his head when he's being smug. Um, but after all, it's true the carpeting looks too dark, but so does the whole room. Surely even light carpeting might look gloomy under these conditions. And on closer inspection, is that really even a vest that the Trump figure is wearing? Or is it just part of his shirt? Is the man in the chair even wearing a tie at all? To me, it doesn't really look like a vest. It looks like a guy in a white shirt, which is what he was wearing that day. So I'm not sure why. Where's the... Yeah, you can't really see the cufflinks either. I mean, it's very grainy. So, um, even if it is a vest, it's completely inconceivable that at some point, after being photographed in a suit, Trump might have changed to a white tie. And it, just as the real Donald Trump did on the night of the pageant, a Trump-like figure in the clip appears to be wearing French cuffs, which 
they show him in the picture that he is. If the video is a little too blurry, conveniently so for any authoritative comparison, the figurines' cufflinks do appear similar. So there's a lot of doubt in this. Is it real? Is it not? So in the interest of transparency, she should note that this piece of evidence has been met with mixed reactions. One friend told her, it definitely looks like it could be the same cufflink. Well, another said, oh no, you lost your mind. This point remains inconclusive. There are cufflinks, however. So more convincing than the fuzzy accessories, though, is the figure's mannerisms. For instance, near the end of the 25-second version of the video, we see the Trump figure beginning to type on what appears to be his phone. And he's doing that one-finger type that he does. And it's very similar to how he does it. And they show a picture of him in the actual, in his office, typing on his phone. And it's super similar, the way he does it. So, who knows? So, it's not unusual to see someone Trump's age typing with a single index finger. The general silhouette is uncanny. And um, the likeness of the room is, itself is the most striking. On something off. So, they show him... Um, in the in the room and so it's kind of a transposed um like how it looks with him in the room compared to um the, the actual presidential suite and it fits pretty close i mean whoever did it they could have um actually rented this room and um filmed something to incriminate the president or it's a very very good like simile you know honestly it looks like pretty much the same. On the side of the wall behind the headboard, the paneling is varied widths, and it matches up. I mean, if somebody made a room to look exactly the same, they took a lot of time to duplicate it. So, one more thing to think about is the spacing lines up perfectly in a picture. And there's a few other pictures. Um, Stephen Colbert in 2017 went to Moscow to take a look at the full suite, like we talked about earlier. So there's more pictures about the room, and it showed the weird lighting from above. It was very jarring. In order to reassure, the author reassured herself that the video is fake. She needed to consult an expert. And so she went to this Jameson Fry, a visual effects artist turned director in L.A., and it, he told her that filming a handheld video of another video playing on a screen absolutely destroys the quality and is exactly the kind of thing you do intentionally to obscure detail and sell a fake. So that should be the most suspect thing about the video. Um, I'm not saying I think it's um, beyond Trump to maybe do that, but um, I, I think if, if you go by your gut of guts, um, the fact that they did that, it's questionable. You should question it. But it's, all, it's so good. It's such a good fake, you know? No wonder everyone thinks it's real. So the lighting is suspect at first. Um, it appears there's a single soft white source above the subject, somewhere in the ceiling between 45 and the buttocks, they said. <laughs> because that's the picture. And um, it would be a strange place for the only light in the room above the bottom left corner of the bed. But if you yeah, you look at the butt and then you go, the room actually has the this weird like light built into the ceiling fixture. So maybe that was the only light that was on in the room, and that would explain why it was so dark and so weird. And really, if you're having sexy time, you you might do some mood lighting. Maybe that's what's going on. So, um, sent the screenshot to Fry, hopeful that the revealed lighting would definitely prove that the two scenes simply could not have occurred in the same room. And instead, Fry wrote back, wow. According to him, the lighting we see in the Colbert section segment is exactly the kind of setup that might create the conditions you see in the clip. Previously, I said that the scene appears to be lit by a single soft white source mounted above the subject's head. Um... They thought maybe like a chandelier or a lamp. But a recessed edge-lit square could definitely create what we're seeing in the video. So, yeah. And there's a drawing with the person's butt in the middle of the screen, but it shows how the light could be hitting people. So, having an indirect light source bouncing off a white ceiling and down onto the bed below could give you that soft and even top-down quality. So, it lends a little more suspicion on the video. 
So instead of giving a reason to disbelieve, the details made it seem likely that either this video was genuinely recorded inside the Ritz-Carlton or someone had gone to the trouble of building a point-by-point -point replica of the presidential suite, which seems like a lot of work. The figures moving around inside the room, she was even less sure about. Evan Reinhardt, a color assistant at the visual effects company called Framestore, agreed that the blurriness and shaky filming made it suspect. The fact that his torso is completely motionless is a bit of a red flag that they purposely had an actor sit there motionless to easily composite a head back on. Um, it doesn't prove one way or another, of course, it's just a hunch. So the Trump figure seems to be saying something at the beginning of a 25 second version, but the poor video quality also thwarted her efforts to decipher what it might be. She reached out to Evan Brunel, a known lip reader, they show it like blah 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 yeah who would even be able to read that but no su success there's just not enough resolution to be able to see fully formed words Brunel told me yeah whatever this is crazy so they talked about um, expert analysis um, rebuffed some people didn't want to have anything to do with it and then another person said I can't stop laughing but I'm also not I'm gonna click the link to be honest is fair I mean I'm just saying, like, I have, like, some of the screenshots on here, and it's gross enough that you just go, I don't know if I want to deal with this. I haven't even gone all the way into the videos, because it's just gross. Who needs to see somebody peeing, really? Yuck. But, you know, like, you look at it, and you go, I can kind of see it. And there was one doubt that was made about the molding in the room. The actual room, the ceiling molding, begins more or less directly above the paneling. And it's not clear with the blurriness if, if that's the case in the room in the clip. Because you can't really see it. So it's a non-persuasive point of rebuttal. It's entirely possible that um, it could be a discrepancy because of the lighting. And that it was um, to record the video over a TV screen is made just so, you know, anything that was clear could be like not seen. So it just seems like it's probably not real. But I also kind of feel like there's enough doubt that maybe it is, you know? It's one more thing that's just gross enough that makes you kind of wonder. Um, it's an overwhelmingly accurate, as they say. Possibly perfect depiction of the suite, but not the suite as it would have appeared the night of 2013. That's because between then and now, the room has been entirely redone. Pro after having... Um, people come in and view it and they're picking things apart they have remodeled the room which makes you kind of wonder what the heck is going on there ritz carlton moscow tweeted out a picture of a sneak peek from the recently renovated presidential suite the photo did not show the master bedroom but there are distinctive paneling the sconces the carpet according to a facebook post from november 2015 the renovation did indeed include the master bedroom so for some reason, it was incredibly difficult to find any dates on precisely when the room was renovated. There's no indication that it occurred at all of the hotel's website. Only still existing references could be seen. So none of this seemed particularly decisive. So the author reached out to the hotel itself to ask precisely when the renovation happened. After a number of unsuccessful attempts, she finally reached the spokesperson, who would only tell her that the renovation of the suite was in 2015. She confirmed, however, that prior to 2015, the room would have looked the way it does here. So she sent a picture of how it looked. It's very similar to what's in the video. So, in the renovation, the bed had shifted 90 degrees, so its headboard now sits against the wall to the left of the back. Paneling has changed. So what they're saying is, yeah, it's in a different spot. I'm watching, and it's like the video kind of moves. Boop. Yep. The lighting is noticeably different post-renovation. The recessed lighting and the ceilings are untouched, but the sconces have been moved. So if they shot it recently, this year, it would look different, right? So they didn't use the room if they filmed it this year, but it's really hard to say when it happened. It could have been back in 2015. So 
The room, assuming the room is not mysteriously and temporarily overhauled in the two months leading up to the Miss Universe pageant, the hotel's tweet is the best evidence that they have that the room actually did look like during Trump's stay. The room we see in the video then does not, did not exist in that form when the video would supposedly have taken place. So they know that it wouldn't, couldn't have been any other portion of the multi-room suite. So who is supposed to see this P-tape? One of the video's most bizarre aspects is that it ha- hasn't happened, what hasn't happened with it. Noah's taken credit um, for obtaining it. Um, they said that um, pitched D- the Democratic National Committee leaks to journalists. Someone wanted the trouble of staging the P-tape. Then that someone else created the video of the screen. But no one has sought the recognition or attention for it. So it seems very weird. All of it's weird. Um... People have noticed that the characters are not uniformly spaced. They, they're talking about some other stuff with Bush. Um, there's dirty tricks. They think that um, P-tape is always someone's wish fulfillment fantasy. Watching it before knowing it had to be false brought an eerie sense of exhaustion. What if it was real? And what if it made no difference? Donald Trump has been credibly repeatedly accused of things far worse than watching a sex show set up by powerful Russians. They say so many things. Gosh, I don't even want to say this. Um, Someone made this video, and most likely recorded in a hotel room that costs about $18,000 a night. Was it all for the sake of feeding rumors? Or for confusing everyone? Or for tricking some overconfident journalist into an ultimate feat of fake news? The only thing we can say is that based on the room, which appears to have been filmed, this can't possibly be a real thing. Probably. But if you know anything at all about where the video came from or who made it, please do get in touch with the author. They're fascinated. It's kind of terrifying. And we're in this time where there's a potential impeachment of our president. And, you know, everything's going to be coming out. So, and all the bad stuff that's ever happened. Grab them in the pussy, that kind of stuff. It's all coming up. Is this real? Maybe not. But somebody really wants to, wants to take Trump down because of it. Um, and, you know, like I wouldn't have put it past him. That's all I'm going to say on that. But um, it's just so bizarre. But I'll, I will post a link to that to the um, Liberty Librarian page, and I will say um, it is definitely an adult R-rated article, so do not, if you're underage, please don't look at it. It's grody, and don't click the links in it. <laughs> but if, if, or if you're sensitive soul, like some are. Um, but it's very interesting, and it's something I hadn't really known much about. I, I think I'd heard rumors of it a few years ago, but... Um, I thought it was fake. And seeing it, it actually makes more questions in my mind than it ever has before. So, something to think about. The P-tapes. So I'm hopeful that this will be our first and last story about P. It's just, I've spent like half an hour talking, more like 40 minutes, talking about the president's P situation. So... I apologize from the bottom of my heart, but it's just so lurid that I had to share it with you guys. We're all friends here, right? So I will switch gears and we're going to talk about um, something a little bit nicer, um, library related. Uh, Since today I went to see the Open Educational Resource um, for Librarians presentation and I'm really hopeful that we're going to start seeing more things where um, people can get access to free resources. And um, my original plan before I found the the, the P-tape uh, story was I was going to include some uh, homeschool resources here as well. 
But I'm going to save that for another time. So that way, um, if somebody is offended by this, they're not going to have to put up with hearing everything about pee. Um, so I will share that in a future episode, some more resources for homeschool. But um, for adults, there's a lot of really good resources out there. Um, like I have told a lot of you that there are ways that you can educate yourself where you can you know, pay some, pay money, um, you can get in touch with um, your heroes that are people that are doing the things that you dream about and um, seeing if you can get them to be mentors or take a class from them or read a book that they wrote and um, listen to their podcasts. There are a lot of ways that you can learn how to do things without spending huge amounts of money on college education. Now, that said, um, this is my bread and butter, is uh, working in a college library. So uh, I appreciate the, the quality and the hard work that goes into all of our classes, but I also really, really want to make sure that we have resources for our students that aren't breaking the bank. And when I was in the OER uh, workshop today, they talked about how 60% of students don't buy the textbooks for the class, um, mostly because cost, and sometimes because they don't—they're planning on reading it anyway. So why bother? But those that do um, really want to, they look for free resources as well. Um, they wanted to. So out of the out of the sixty percent, twenty percent really actually wanted to, but they couldn't, couldn't, couldn't because they couldn't afford it, and. I admit it, like a lot of textbooks, it's like they're made of gold. They, they're so expensive. So having resources that are free, um, but high quality resources is, is the goal. They want, we want to make it so uh, they're offering faculty um, small bits of money to review and to hopefully give honest reviews of uh, resources because people want to know is it worthwhile is it something that uh, you should use for a class so I'm very interested in seeing how this all pans out uh, there's been some interest on my campus to get resources that will work and there's a couple websites I'm gonna peek over at that page let's see where was it here um, there's Pressbooks um, has self-publishing Minnesota Libraries Publishing Project they have some great uh, resources that's coordinated by Minitext in Minnesota between academic and public libraries. Um, you can go out on Creative Commons. There's a lot of resources out there where you can find content that can be edited, remixed, built upon within the boundaries of copyright law. And speaking of copyright law, they're um, pushing for librarians and academics to get um, uh, Creative Commons uh, certification so we understand um, the law behind it and to um, be able to help people who want to adapt work for open um, educational resources so it's very exciting however um, for myself looking at how long it takes to get the certification has been daunting so those that have it I tip my hat to you but I'm not sure I'm ready to be spending you know four to eight hours a week working on um, learning all about Creative Commons licensing for a whole semester. So it's a, it's great and maybe down the road I'll do it, but at this point it's a little bit scary sounding to me. Um, some of the resources that um, were shared with me um, recently were Open Textbook Library. There's um, a website that um, they have by the University of Minnesota and their partners. There's eBooks Minnesota. It's all for Minnesotans. Uh, Minnesota is kind of at the forefront for having um, sharing and uh, a lot of it is provided through the University of Minnesota but um, a lot of times we put in um, money to um, as a consortia to get good database resources. So what other states do is a lot of times each library individually buys um, their resources or if it's a public library it's their system or the county may buy it but it's not a whole state of people. 
So it's very rare to see this, but it works really well. We get excellent resources and we save a ton of money by having such a huge group of libraries working together. So once again, a way of saving money for students. Um, a couple other ones that they talked about were um, uh, Merlot, which is out in California. It's a collection of free and open online teaching, learning, and faculty development services. Um, there's OER Commons, Opendora. Um, this is developed by our, our local PALS. PALS is um, it's a state um, educational uh, library resources. Um, I'm trying to figure out a good way of saying it. Um, they, they set up our, our cataloging software, so we work together so we get a good deal on it. We have an excellent new one called Alma and Primo. And PALS is um, setting up Opendora is um, a digital archive, an online in the cloud open educational resource um, housing for it. So they're making it so it's very easy for any library in Minnesota to be able to do that. So I'm, I'm curious about other states, you know, what, what they're doing. Um, there's one that Rice University, that's a nonprofit called OpenStax, and they have more than 20 openly licensed college textbooks. Um, in New York, um, it's uh, S-U-N-Y, Open SUNY, Sunny <laughs> textbooks, um, State University of New York. Project Gutenberg's been around for a while since 1971, and they're, um, he invented ebooks, which we like today. So it is a huge collection of free electronic books or ebooks. Um, there's something called Sailor Academy, S A Y L O R. It's a nonprofit, um, free and open online courses. There's an ebook searcher that has um, uh, a way of searching for over 8 million free ebooks. There's uh, the press books, which I mentioned earlier. And there's um, information from like the Digital Public Library of, Inf of America. And many universities are working with them to have um, digital collections together. So they have different viewpoints, experiences, and collections in a single platform. So it's, it's growing and you're seeing it go take off everywhere. Um, there's some additional resources. OER myth busting, myth busting, um, you know, what's keeping people from doing OER. We talked a little bit about barriers today in my workshop, and um, people are afraid that if we have, um, like, basic, like, books and classes and resources available, freely accessible, that um, they worry that they'll not have job security because, um, this administration in the state will go, well, we have stuff, so we don't need you to develop it. And they're afraid that it'll take away from their power as uh, faculty to make their own decisions about um, resources and content, which um, we all said that that's not the goal and um, anyone can choose to use or choose not to use. And it, it's not um, something that anyone should be forced to do or marketed to do. So I, I felt like it was a good answer for it. Um, they're, they're hopeful, though, because, I mean, students really are begging for cheaper ways of making the textbooks and resources available. And there should be ways of doing it. There's a, a school called the School of Open, which I got to look at. Um, the website for global community of volunteers providing free online courses and training on openness in the digital world. So there's there's lots of resources out there, and we talked a little bit about Khan Academy, and I talked about paid sites like Udemy, um, and there's just so many ways that you can learn. And I've gone on and done Google searches about language learning, and you can learn anything. You, you don't need to enroll in school. I think the best thing about colleges and universities is that there's a built-in um, like cohort kind of system if you're in a live classroom and even on online classes that you have people that you can network with and help each other. So I think that is the best thing is that you have humans that you can have contact with. 
However, not everyone needs that. Some people just like to learn on their own. They want to learn about what they're passionate about and they're um, hungry for it. You know, there's no need to be doing constant digging for resources um, and to pay huge amounts of money when um, you can go to the library and check out books from famous authors on your who are subject special to specialists in your area and all you need to do is contact your nice local librarian who is an expert in finding resources for you so you can get like all you need for pretty much free but the best thing about colleges and universities is access you get access to uh, professors who are experts in their field. You get access to resources like the library and where we have databases that you can use to find out about your subject. Um, you get access to other students who are interested in your same field. So that is, that's the main selling point of colleges. Um, I, I, I agree that there needs to be changes in the way we do some of the things that we do. And I really want to see that we all grow, that we all get better, and we give students what they need, and we aren't um, taking advantage in any way. Because I never wanted to go into education because I wanted to be rich. I went into education because I want to help people. I want to see people succeed and reach their dreams. It makes me happy. Some of the best things that have ever happened to me is going to graduation and having students thank me for help. The librarian of all the people to thank. It just blew my mind. So it gives me warm fuzzies for here until eternity. So just know this, that I really, I want people to succeed. I want them to do well. And seeing that open educational resources are growing, it, it feels good. Will it, will it succeed or is it just the trend of the moment? That's, that's the tough thing. It could, it could be. We could, it could fail miserably. It could do very well. But um, I've gone to a couple of years of these now and I'm seeing it really taking off. Um, and, and I'm hopeful. I really am. So I'm, I have somebody at my campus who's very interested in OER and I'm going to talk to them this week and see what we can do to get things going a little bit faster because you know you need people who are willing to do the work and that's okay so I will share a couple of the resources here on uh, the Facebook page and um, definitely the icky Trump uh, article so you can look at it yourself and make your own decisions on whether you think it's real or not um, the general consensus consensus is not real but if you're excited about open education resources, uh, send me a note. Um, if you just want to learn more about uh, a subject and you don't really want to go back to school and you don't have a lot of money, send me a note and I will do my best to try to connect you to a resource that uh, might get you in the right track. So never give up on learning. You know, a lot of people, they um, get done with school, high school, get done with college, and they never read a book again. They never get excited about learning, and it makes me so sad. Um, and you, you got to use your brain or you lose your brain, right? So always, always be excited about the world and learning. So find people that can help you do that. Find other people who are excited about the same things and, you know, one of my favorite things is I, I have friends that have so many different interests, but they uh, infuse everything with their passion for, for whatever they're into. And it makes me excited about things, too. So you'll stay young forever if you keep your mind like sharp as a tack and learning new things. So, And on that note, I have... Uh, Hopeful that next week we'll have a little bit better luck with the blog talk radio format. Um, I'm sorry that we couldn't get on live today. Um, I'm going to be looking at uh, possible more interviews and maybe having touch base with some of our um, friends from the past and see if we can mix things up a little bit. Um, I'm also looking at possibly starting a streaming video um, 
show and just uh, see what it's like. It may not work. It may work great. I might have to get some new equipment so I can try it out, but um, I'll keep you guys posted about that. It's one of my things I'm, you know, speaking of always learning something new. It's exciting. So, on that note, I hope you guys have a great week and that everything goes well and next week we'll talk again together about fun new stuff and have a wonderful day. I'll see you next time. Bye guys. <music>